Well, all right. Hey, I want to welcome you to another worship opportunity in Sunday in our new year. This is the third Sunday that we've had a chance to worship together. And um, it's cold out there and all sorts of stuff, but it is it is still good and it's good to draw together. I'm Pastor Jason and uh, I have the opportunity, the, the uh, humble privilege to serve you all as your pastor and want to welcome you if you're joining us online or if you are in person, if you are new to our community or just kind of uh, checking us out, I want to be able to welcome you and encourage you to, um, you know, to, if you see that person, if they to go and talk to them, and otherwise, to uh, I want to encourage you to take that next step, and uh, let's, we'll take it together and get to know each other and get to know who Jesus is um, in that in that process. So um, we have had just a, a pretty extraordinary um, beginning of our new year so far, and uh, we started out with this series called A New Beginning, and it's really talking about how the slate in many ways uh, does kind of clear in the new year, and we get to reposition ourselves and re, uh, redirect ourselves and prioritize things differently, and it just, it just seems like this moment where that's actually possible and exciting to do, right? And so um, New Beginning has been talking about what, what actually can change and be new and is an opportunity for us. We've been going through, first Sunday we talked about a new heart, and now today we're talking about a new mind. Um, last week, if you caught Chap Clark, he was a special guest with us, and really I want to invite you to go on to Horizon's dot church slash watch and catch that last Sunday if you didn't because it really speaks to the vision and the heart of horizons in a way that um, that only someone from the outside could really share that and then say and have us say like oh that is why we are who we are and, and why we look what, like all of this stuff. Like it, it really just came together in this beautiful and inspiring way, you know. And so I love that. So, um, so it has been a good beginning to our year so far. And I love that we all get to be a part of it. Um, today we're talking about a new mind. And I had a journey when I was first beginning to enter into the pastor world. Um, this is my last year of seminary. I went to seminary in Denver and um, I was living the dream. I was in in the mountains all the time. I was either skiing or climbing mountains. And, and it was just like, it was a dream come true. And I also like got a seminary degree, a master's in divinity, like best of both worlds. And I was pretty healthy. I would consider myself a pretty, you know, stealthy ox back in uh, seminary. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, so like um, it's a requirement as you enter into uh, the ministry in our denomination to have an annual physical and they want to make sure I'm, I don't know. So anyhow, like, I was healthy enough that I rode my like steel frame mountain bike 12 miles Denver um, to my doctor's appointment. And my doctor was just like, yes, like we don't see very many people like you, you know, yes, like you are awesome. Keep doing your things, you know, like everything, all my stats were like picture perfect. And I really like left the doctor's office that morning, like feeling like I am nearly perfect specimen of health example. Like, you know, like, like, ah, man, I just was great. And then like, um, I don't know, it was like three days later, like I got a call from that doctor. He didn't know me. I mean, that's the first time I've been to the doctor in ages. He didn't know me. And like the scathing tone in his voice just like set me back. And he's like, yeah, we ran your uh, blood labs. And I could hear in his voice that he was taking back like every praise 
that he had given me. And he's like, your cholesterol is through the roof. I was like, what's that? <laughs> and um, well, it turns out that I had discovered in Denver where to buy uh, bulk bacon and eggs. And things were going good for me, dietary-wise. Like, I was living the dream. Um, and I also had this thing going on in my, in my genes called hereditary um, high cholesterol. <laughs> and um, so that was kind of a blow to me. And um, whatever, like, I guess I took it seriously. So I went into my first year of ministry, and I nailed it. Man, I was eating salads and fry, or gr- fried chicken, grilled chicken. Like, I was staying away from cheese and sauces and all kinds of things. And in one year's time, I dropped my cholesterol 55 points without medication. And, like, my mom, she's a dietitian, she's a nurse, she's, she knows all these things. And she's like, wow! And everyone was like, Wow! And then I was like, see, I got this. And then the next year, I earned all those points back. And then the next year, I was like, okay, well, I did it before, so I'll do it again. I'll lose all those points. Nope. Then the next year, I was like, you know what? Okay, this is, this is the year. I'm going to lose the points now. Nope. And then the next year, nope, 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 nope. And even this year, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it this year. And Sarah's like, no, you're not. <laughs> she's like, when are you going to fess up? And, just, you know, like, um, and she's like, you know, so anyhow, there's a lot of stuff there that she says. But, um, but it really kind of helps us dial in on this funny predicament that we as humans get into, doesn't it? Right? Like, um, there's an issue in our lives, or probably a couple, but, you know, we can name a few. And, um, and we know it needs to change. And we know that, that, you know, we don't like it how it is. Um, and there are people who are probably agreeing with us. And yet, like, without making any changes or doing anything different, we somehow still get the idea that it's going to change. Right? Like, we're not actually going to make any major changes or, or you know, change our, our, our lifestyles or our habits or our practices. But somehow, this is the year. It's going to change. I mean, this happens in nearly every sector of our lives when it comes to, um, let's see, I've got this really, when it comes to, like, our busyness, right? Like, like, when I talk to you all individually, like the thing that you tell me the most is how incredibly overwhelmingly busy you are. And you can even name the things that are keeping you really busy or overwhelming you. Um, and yet when, when I get a little bit personal with you, and this is why nobody talks to the pastor on more than a surface level, um, like there's that squirm, right? Because it's like, well, no, I'm not going to, no, we can't change. No, uh, that's not going to change. No, we have to, well, we don't have a choice. Like, so busyness, man, that's a huge one. Um, relationships. Um, when it comes to marriages, marriages are hard. They're hard. You know that. I know that. Uh, Sarah and I go to the weekend to remember. By the way, you can sign up now and through our Horizons group, um, weekend to remember, like choose a weekend, choose a location, and you can go. Uh, Horizons has this, this half-off deal because we send people because it's part of who we are and what we believe in, healthy families, healthy marriages. And, um, and so you can do that. Like Sarah and I go every year. It's the same material, but we go every year because we believe in that. Um, but 
if we're not willing to change and do different things in our marriage relationship or our relationship with our children, God save us all. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a four and a half and a three-year-old, so uh, we're in that right now. Um, like, it, it, nothing changes, right? Um, we talk about our addictions. We don't step away from our addictions if we don't make changes. Our health. I and mean, we face this all the time, right? Like we want better health. We want to be more active. We want all this. And yet we're not making the changes to actually get there. Our faith, we want to be more devoted. We want to be in the word more. We want to pray more. We want to have a closer relationship with Jesus. Yet all the things that would have to change in order for that to happen, it's too hard to let them go, make those changes. Uh, our finances, we want to set a budget. We want to not have so much debt. We want to have a better idea of where our money's going and how we can actually maybe kind of start to gain some momentum. And yet, if we don't make changes, nothing changes. Now, because of where we are and where we've been, but specifically the, um, what, uh, the holiday or the recognition of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s work, I would also include that our, as our country. We see this systemically in all sorts of ways, and when it comes to racial equality, I would personally say, out of personal conviction, um, that we still have work to do and that we have even fallen into that rut when it comes to racial equality. It was nearly 60 years ago that Dr. Martin Luther King gave his famous speech and was talking about nearly 100 years before that, saying 100 years after the abolition, abolition of slavery, the Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. So Dr. King was making mention about something that had happened 100 years ago and yet perhaps or clearly was stuck in a rut that we now talk about 60 years later and can see, and from, from this, again, I'm speaking from my personal convictions, I'm convicted that we are still in many ways stuck in a rut and struggling to get beyond that. And it's hard, isn't it? I mean, when it, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to big systemic problems or our finances or anything, um, it is not so easy. Um, positive thinking, I'm the king of positive thinking. Uh, when I play Monopoly, I think that if I think about rolling an eight, it's going to happen, right? And like the bad thing is sometimes it does, and I'm like, see, I told you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like we get stuck and we think, you know what, this is the year. 
this is the year we're gonna, it's going to really change. Or sometimes we get and we say, but the way I'm doing it, we get kind of gridlocked. We say the way I'm doing it is the only way to do it. Especially if you're one on an Enneagram. Um, you ones, you know what I'm talking about. Um, there are sometimes when we, we feel like we don't have any advocacy or agency in that change. And we just say, you know what, there, I don't have any other choices. This is just the way it is. Like the coach schedules the practices and if the kid's not there, he doesn't play. I mean, what choice do I have in the matter? Um, you know, or there are times when we even get stuck in that rut because um, we say, gosh, you know, I don't really think it's me who needs to do the changing. It's, it's bacon needs to become less, you know, high in cholesterol. Like the pigs need to work out, right? Like, uh, <laughs> um, anyhow, so you, you get the point of how difficult it is sometimes to make the shift. But here's the bottom line. Regardless of what we're applying this to or what rut we're stuck in or, you know, what we're trying to address or make improvements on, if we want to see change, if we want to not get stuck and see improvements, see a different avenue, we have to make different choices. We have to do different things. That's the bottom line. We, I mean, that's right, the definition of insanity. I promised I wouldn't even bring this up, but insanity, right? Like doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result. Um, we have to do something different if we want to see a different result. And what really ties in today is that if we want to actually do things differently, it's not so easy as just snapping your fingers. We have to start with a different mindset. We actually have to think differently. Our minds have to be centered and agreeing on different things than they previously have been because everything starts in heart and flows out forth from that. Jesus said that over and over and over and again. In fact, he kind of shocked some people because he would often say, hey, you know all those bad things that you're worried about ingesting and putting in your body? Um, Jesus went so far as to say, like, that's not the issue at all. Um, although we know that uh, addictions are real and can um, our choices are affected by our substances that we put in our body. But Jesus was so clear about this. He says, the main Root of all this, though, it always starts right here in your heart, in your heart, in, in your mind. And so um, we either start changing how we think and then let that change how we act, or we risk getting stuck in a rut. And as we can see with some things, ruts can get really deep and can last a long long time. I mean, we're talking about passing this down to our grandchildren if we are not able to make changes. Now, here's the thing. Um, the world has spent zillions of dollars on trying to figure out how to make this change, right? Um, my son, Samuel, I love this. Like, um, you know, he's like hitting someone or hitting a wall. We love that, by the way. I mean, just pure passion right there. That's what that's saying. <laughs> um, and we're like, hey, hey, buddy, can you take better care of our walls? And he's like, okay, I won't. I'll not do that. And at first when he started like saying this, I was like, wow, I think we're doing something right. Until, of course, I quickly realized after that, like he's saying it and he wants to do something different. He wants to, you know, not un make us unhappy or hurt us or things like that. Um, but 10 minutes later when he's upset, 
going to happen again. So it's, it's much more complicated than just saying, all right, I'll, I'll quit doing that. Or, all right, I'm going to change it. You know, all right, I'll, I'll eat better for 365 days for 700 meals. Or I can't do math. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> you get it. Um, it's not that easy. So um, while we pray for the rest of the world, what we know is that as we draw near to this person named Jesus, as we draw near to this, this presence of his spirit that we talk about, it's a little bit hard to define or really kind of make um, like physical evidence of as we draw near to this God that we feel like maybe we know really well or we're just kind of starting to draw near, we're wrestling with right now. We know that there is hope in getting better or improving or finding better health in all those areas I mentioned, we know that this is possible because we've seen it. And Paul would testify in this really wise uh, address to the Ephesians, and this is Ephesians chapter 4 today, about what it means to actually see change. I love this. So I'm drawing this all the way from verse 17 to verse 24. And I'm inviting you to dial on to your Bible app, your YouVersion app. If you have that, this is a way that you can really hold God's Word in your hand. And you just go to the More section and find events, and you'll find Horizon. It's all loaded there for you. But Paul is essentially... Now, you're, this, these words are a little bit harsh for us because in the century that we live in, we have learned to really kind of um, gently speak our words, and Paul really wasn't in that mindset. Um, and so this is the truth, and it's a little bit harsh, but at the, at the bottom of it, the, this is what's going on. So Paul, he's talking, about, he's talking about the community. He says, so I tell you this and insist on in, in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of your thinking. Now, he's talking about Gentiles as anyone who is like either outside of Christ, following a different uh, religion or worshiping a different God or set of gods, or, um, you, know, you know, just like has not yet had an opportunity to hear the gospel and the good news. So he's talking about this. And he says, so these people, like they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Now, before we move on to what Paul says next here, uh, what we need to understand is Paul is essentially saying that when, when we get darkened in our understanding or separated from the life of God because of ignorance or hardened hearts, Essentially, Paul is describing the condition when we kind of like get a scale out metaphorically and we kind of look at like, here's the life that God wants me to live and what I'm hearing from the pastor and from seeing from the word. Here's, here's this life. And here's the life that I'm, I've been kind of told about. Maybe we're not very aware of it, but we've heard it in commercials and we've seen it, you know, and, and examples and images on Facebook and all kinds of social media outlets. We're, like we're seeing it and we're like, and, you know, our neighbors are kind of killing it, you know, and like, so we're like, okay, so, ultimately here's the life I could live in with God and what he says or here's the life I could live kind of like what the world says and we kind of we kind of say oh this one I'm, this one seems better 
I'm choosing this one because it seems to actually get me closer, maybe easier or, or like higher or more intensively into the good things that just seem like I really, that's what I really, really, really want. Right. You know, like, ah, it's like our, like our every, like every desire in our hearts is like, oh, this is what we want. Like, this is kind of hard and sometimes painful and sometimes like uh, maybe a little distasteful in terms of how we think it should be. So we opt for this. So that's what Paul's saying. Is that, that like, he's describing what it looks like when we have chosen our way and said, this is how I'm going to get my, my happiness. This is where I'm going to find my purpose and my joy and all these things, my meaning. Like, this is it right here. Um, and we grow hardened then to, heart, to God, and we cannot see it. So then what the world ultimately tells us is that we then give ourselves. We lose sensitivity to, hey, this might actually not be good for you. This might actually down the road be damaging your family values um, and your family structure. Like we kind of lose sensitivity to that because right now it looks and it feels and it tastes and it seems good and maybe even better than good, right? Like, so we've lost sensitivity to it. And when Paul says sensuality, this is not just a sexual thing. Uh, he's describing an insatiable desire for pleasure of all sorts as a sensual thing. Um, and talks about, the, you know, that they're, that they're, they're really, it's like, you know, you're eating candy, but it's laced with poison um, and full of greed, like more and more and more. That's, that's, so that's the difference here. So Paul says, this is kind of what's going on, but verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you have learned. When you heard about Jesus about Christ, and we're taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So Paul is talking about the truth that is in Jesus, and all we need is a read of one of the Gospels to see the truth in Jesus about what he believed was the best pursuit of life and how he believed he should be using and giving his life, and where pleasure and where satisfaction would ultimately come from, and what was going to be the greatest gift to the people that he loved, and how those who were the least and the lowest and the marginalized and oppressed, how they should be treated and honored, and how those who had the power and the, the authority, how they also should be treated. Like This is the truth of Jesus even the truth of Jesus, reflecting our selfish desires and saying, but there's better for you, and that's not good. So this is what Paul is talking about when he talks about the truth of that is in Jesus. And then continuing on, verse 21, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, to like, like Velcro, take it off and put it over here, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. Now, by the way, New International Version like rarely does this, but like completely missed the translation in this one sense, okay? To be made new is a passive verb, okay? Well, Paul's using that intentionally because he's talking about a surrender, we'll get more into this, but a surrender to let us be made new and the attitude the actual word for attitude is pneuma in the Greek, which is the word for this wind or the spirit and ultimately, typically, the Holy Spirit. 
Attitude is a terrible translation, but I just needed you to see that so when we go down here, you can see what's going on. To be made new in the attitude of your minds, in the spirit of your minds, and to then put on the new self, to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness like God and free in his spirit of life and light. All right, so that's what Paul is saying. He's saying essentially, hey, there is a better future, a better self, a better relationship, a better situation. There is a better this or that in, in the future, and it's in Christ. He'll set you free. Because, so this is what we look at, essentially, that, um, that it is not solely on us to be able to make the change. We simply can't. We are human. We're finite. We're incapable of moving the stars. Um, and so we're also incapable of always moving ourselves. But Paul gives us additionally some really powerful uh, steps, if you're catching it, of how this change actually works. Regardless of whatever sector or situation or circumstance that you are facing or dealing with, um, He's giving this this powerful thing. You see, the first thing that he says is that we are to throw off the old, to renounce the old. Now, in, when we come to Jesus and we have that life surrender and we say, Jesus, like, I truly see that your way is better and I've, I've been down my own road and I've tried these things and I just know it doesn't work like it might for a little bit, but I know that for eternity, your way is better. There is an actual process where we are to take our old self and renounce it and to say, I no longer desire to be in step with you, old self, because you weren't getting me to where I ultimately was created to be. Renouncing the old, throwing it off. Um, it even is, can be translated like casting off. Okay, And then the second thing that Paul said is then to let the Spirit renew us in surrender. Now, this is equally hard, and this is why I had to translate a little bit in verse 23 for you to help you understand that surrender is probably like one of those like kind of hot words that we don't really feel comfortable with, but I am, I'm personally convicted that it is one of the, the most rich spiritual words in all of our Christian vocabulary, surrender. It's scary as heck. And yes, there is loss in surrender. Yes, there is change. But to finally and fully fall into the arms of Jesus Christ and the God who created you and to say, Lord, I'm yours and you're mine and you love me. And like that first song that we sang today, you have written my name in this. You've claimed me. I'm going to let you take the wheel and I'm going to give my life to you and I'm going to let you be the author. That's hard, but it is so rich because then we don't have to do all the work of trying to figure everything out. The Spirit will do it. And the Spirit, so we throw off and then we let the Spirit renew, and like Paul said, the attitude of our minds, are the way we think and the way we believe. And then Paul says, finally, so then put on the new self in Christ to embrace it, 
like to actually give a bear hug to this, this new me who is in Christ, who is being made holy and righteous in his image. Like, holy cow, I could never imagine that. That seems like too much or too great. And yet, that's what God says. This is what I'm doing. When we do, when we take this and we apply this new mindset, there are five areas that when we start to apply different ways of thinking, we will see our worlds change and we will see the world around us changing. One, in our world, when we start thinking differently about our world around us, about how dangerous or safe it is, about how hopeful or hopeless it is, when we begin to see our world as Jesus sees our world, things start to change. When we start to see others differently, Jesus knew every thought, knows every thought in each of our hearts, every desire, everything that we cover up and, and mask away. He knows it, but he also knows that you were wonderfully and uniquely created and are cherished and are loved beyond all of the universe and all of the animals of all time. When we start to see others as Jesus sees others, things start to change. And how about ourselves? There are so many things we tell ourselves across the spectrum from I am the only one that matters to I am the only one who doesn't matter. A whole spectrum of unhealthy thoughts about ourselves. If we learn to see ourselves as Jesus sees us, things can start to change. And how about our purpose? How about our purpose? You see, Paul was hinting at it seems to be our purpose is to gratify ourselves to the greatest extent possible for the longest amount of time possible. When in truth, when we see our purpose through the lens of who Jesus is, we begin to see that our purpose takes on a much more noble and beautiful shape and cause. And the world starts changing. And our satisfaction when we start to see what should satisfy us the most, through the eyes of Jesus, we begin to see that there is an even greater joy than the next pleasure at hand. The world starts to change. So I want to invite you. I want to invite you to let, first to renounce, and then to let the Spirit start working on you. We are hosting baptisms next week. We're hosting renewal of baptisms to continue to open your heart if you've been baptized before. And we are praying for you. I know that's a scary thing, and I know that it feels so final and big, but we're inviting you to join us. And I'll give you a, a, a website here at horizons.church to be able to say, yes, I think I'm ready, or just even start the conversation. Hey, am I ready for this? Um, that's, that's one of the first steps. One of the second steps is I want to challenge you to surround yourselves with people who are willing to, um, to consider the ways they, that we think and to consider the ways that we could think differently. And 
and have a new heart and mind. And one of the ways that we do that, this is truly not just like a, 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 a frill of the church or kind of like a, an extra thing. Um, this is at the center of church, of our community, of our faith, is to be surrounded with others. We call them life groups. We call them Tuesday night classes. But to join others, change rarely happens in isolation. We know that. I know that. I'll confess it. Change rarely, if ever, happens in isolation. Join others who can walk together with you through their change. You through your change with them. To let this and others truly be a blessing that you can be a blessing to them as well. Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you. We thank you for the very fact that you have given us a new heart, you have given us new clothes, that you have made it possible for the old self to be detached from us. We thank you that you have offered a, a better and newer version of ourselves, one that, that, uh, that, that has better and, and holier aspirations and um, we, we thank you that you have given us an example, that you, have, uh, that you have lived among us, that you have sacrificed your life for us, and that you have broken the chains um, in light of us, Lord. So we just lift this up and we pray that, uh, that we can choose to finally renounce that old self and to let you, to surrender to you, and then to, to as we see you working, to just put it on to put you on and to embrace it, Lord. We lift all this up to you, and we pray that in these ways, the ways that our hearts are wired and how we think that it will, uh, each person by person, that it will change the bigger things around us, Lord, and that, um, that your light and your truth is continually known more and more. Lord, we lift ourselves and those whom we love and care for and are worried about up to you in this prayer. In your name, Jesus. Amen.